Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to this latest edition of Like It or Not with Big Ben Shady. I'm your host for the evening, Big Ben Shady. Coming to you today, dropping, uh, talking some basketball. Gonna drop the ever-so-fun topic. I've been sitting on this in my mind for a little while, but I want to try to get it out now. Talk with you guys. Have a, uh, a goat. The goats. Have a discussion of the debate of the goats. Basketball players, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe. Who's the GOAT? You know, who's the true GOAT? You know, some people think it's this, some people think it's him, so-and-so. Just going to go, you know, we'll talk a little discussion with it. I'm uh, kicking back this evening, munching on some Ritz, Ritz crackers. I got me a... a Nice big old beer mug. I got the uh, Yingling Hershey's Porter. Just poured me a couple uh, bottles into the big big mug. Sit back, have my uh, cold one here, and get you a cold one, and uh, kick back and listen to the show. <laughs> um, sorry about that. You can find me on social media, Ben Marcheski on Facebook. You can hit me up on Facebook Messenger, Twitter, Benjola12, Instagram, the Polish guy you love to hate, Snapchat, Big Ben Mar. Uh, drop me a line on the socials. You can find me basically. You can hit me up Messenger, Twitter, whatever the main spots. Thoughts, questions, concerns, any topics you guys want me to talk about for future shows. Pitch me some ideas, whatever uh, whatever on your mind. I'm always there to check out the socials, you know, let me know what's going on. What you, uh, what you guys think of all these shows, you know. If you're new, a new listener, you know, peep out my other shows on uh, Spotify and Anchor. Go back and listen to some of my history and go way back to the beginning. I got a... Joint show I got together with Whiskey Nick, the legendary Whiskey Nick, and his host, er, his host, his show, Keep It Down. We've talked about siblings, sibling rivalry, siblings versus the only child. Me and Whiskey talk our point of view of, of uh, only children and talk to our wives at the time. They grew up in families with siblings brothers and sisters and that my wife basically was just her three sisters you know yeah i got a lot of back shows you know just check out some of the archives if you're not too familiar with who i am right now you know but those those are listening that been fans for a long time appreciate you guys keep listening gonna bring you some uh content throughout this year and see what happens you know 2024 and beyond too all right, um, let's get into uh, the GOAT discussion. We got uh, three candidates. Each got a little bit of a, what you want to say, a case to be the GOAT of the NBA. You got Michael Jordan, Air Jordan. He was a player that got drafted in the 80s and won championships in the 90s, and then eventually retired in the millennium 2000s. Um, 
you got the late, great, legendary Kobe Bryant came into the league toward the end of the 90s, 96. He, uh, you know, did his thing, won some championships. He had five championships out of that. 2000, 2001, 2002. Yeah, and then he had some down years. Roster shuffles, management, stuff like that. He had to go through some losing seasons, and he still got his points. And then, again, they brought back, you know, brought back coaches and stuff, and, and Kobe got two more titles out in 09, 2009, and 2010. Then eventually he left. It was 2016 he got out. He did 20 years in the league. And then sadly in 2020, before COVID and everything happened, he passed away in a plane crash. Him and his daughter and other people that were friends of his, and they were heading on to a basketball game, the Mamba Academy in California. And they took off early in the morning and did not make it to their destination. You know that. You can go read up online, Google and videos and all that such. You know, go through all that. I'm not going to go talking about all that. That'll be for another show, another time. And then you got LeBron James. LeBron coming to the year, basically, the uh, following year after Jordan retired. Jordan left in the summer of 02 as his last stint with the Washington Wizards. And then LeBron come in. The draft of 02 and played his rookie year 0203 season and still going to to this day 2023. This is year 20 for him, still in good, phenomenal shape. Uh, father time now, as of this speaking, father time is catching up to him. He's having issues with his ankle and his foot. He's missed quite a few games in the past couple of years for the Lakers. And that, and uh, he still does. He's got a good workout regimen. You look at pictures of him online, Instagram and Twitter and all that. He's muscular, in shape, eating right. L.A., you know, the best doctors pretty much in the world, you know. Go to L.A., get yourself right, eat proper nutrition and health and value. And, you know, you work out, you're in the gym and... Yeah, you know, he's still phenomenal shape, and he's still putting in the points. He's still averaging and everything. Where it is speculation that LeBron will be out here in a couple of years once his son, once his son hits rookie season, it'd probably be most likely LeBron's last year in the league. So you may see twenty-two years from LeBron. But we'll see how things go if he rests a lot in these next couple of years. Maybe he goes 23. But I think 22 will be enough. Next year, once he starts up year 21, that'll be Bronny, his son, playing a year in college, getting a year of college done. You get one year eligibility in college, and then you can move on and go pro. They change that again. And then he'll be a lottery pick, supposedly projected lottery pick. LeBron wants to go where Bronny goes, maybe play together father and son. 
Can LeBron even stay around and try to make it to uh, his other son, Bryce? Bryce coming into the league. His son Bryce is coming up. I think LeBron's got to go three or four years more to get. He can play with both of his sons, Bronny and Bryce. Three of them on the same team. That's probably hard to do. Um, you could probably play, like I said, with Bryce or Bronny now and then. It'd be him and Bronny playing up against his brother. Bryce goes to a different team. But, you know, we'll see how that all goes. I think LeBron's kids will be good, but they won't be on the level that his dad will be. You know. Um, I mean, look at Jordan had some sons, and Jordan's sons played basketball, but they weren't on that level of greatness as his dad. And he, you know, Jordan kids ain't even in the league. Never even came into the league. I think the one son, Jeffrey, you wound up having a, uh, in the D League. He did a D League for like a year, and that just didn't pan out. You know, somebody took a chance with that. Oh, maybe, you know, he's got his father's genes, and that wasn't the case and stuff. You know, I mean, you know, Bronny and Bryce, I'm sure, you know, they've got their dad's IQ and learned from their dad and everything. And I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it. I think they're going to be good, but they're just not going to be along the lines of their father. They might have a typical NBA career. Bronny might go eight or nine years, make his money. He can move on to do something else. Bryce might be six or seven, get his money, and then you know he could wind up being one to be injury and then you know, leave, leave, leave the league, retire in that early. And then Bronny, you know, Bron's kids down the road, when they're older, they could wind up being assistant coaches somewhere else, or they go back to their high school and be teachers or coaches, you know, basketball coaches, you know, when they get to their dad's age. But it's, 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 it'll be interesting. Okay, um, let's look, um, we'll start with Jordan first. Came in the league 1984, Chicago Bulls. Bulls were, you know, a little bit below average team. Um, like a 30-win season pretty much for them. You know, they just was the typical struggles of them. They were just like a a team nobody really wanted to be on. You know, back in the 80s, you had your powerhouse juggernauts of the league, your New York Knicks, Philadelphia 76ers, Boston Celtics, you know, uh, the Lakers, Houston Rockets. Everybody was ahead their superstars and everything. And Chicago was just still, you know, the... You know, the little bit below everybody. So Jordan coming to the league, got in rookie year, you know, had to endure the rookiness, you know, averaged so many points. He did a lot of scoring early on. There were some early games. He was, you know, in his career, you know, fourth, third, fourth, fifth year, he had a few games where he went 69 points against the Cavs. Uh, it was one of them, the Cavs or the Celtics he got, and then it was a 63-point game against the other one. 
it was Cleveland and Boston pretty much. He had his big games, monster games and everything and stuff. And uh, going in the league, you know, he had to take a back seat in that in the beginning. You know, the veterans that were there on the squad and everything. And Jordan learned things and, and stuff. Uh, he got in the league. He got his endorsement from Nike. And uh, what's the story there? I don't know, I'm thinking of Magic Johnson, yeah. Magic was the one that got offered another. He got offered one shoe company, and you know, and then Magic wound up going to Converse at his thing. But Jordan did the Nike, and they manufactured the Jordan and stuff. And then once Jordan started winning ball games, you know, it wasn't until, what, 87, 88, that Jordan's shoe value went up a little bit in, in the uh, price. Paying out a little bit more money for people to get the Jordans. They, you know, they liked Jordan. Jordan was entertaining. A lot of these older veterans that were in the league now, then retiring, you know, when Jordan was just getting into the league, you know, they all knew that, oh, this kid's going to be something special, you know, watch out for him and that. And, and that put a little bit of value into the Jordans and stuff. And, uh, I know be prior to, you know, when his shoes started taking off in 87, 88, and that the early Jordans now, you can find them still. People went and bought them and collected them. And now, you know, the early on Jordans and stuff, you know, back then it didn't have no value. But now, you know, if you can get Jordans from his rookie year, second, third year, year, you know, they got some value worth so much money. Auction, I think, went for, what, a million, two million or something for his shoes or something like that now. And and then, his, you know, his shoes just took off, like I said, 87, 88. Um, Jordan just, he was, uh, he did his thing. Jordan wound up, you know, had some losing seasons. Then he got into the playoffs, some uh, early, early exits in the playoffs. He had a first-round exit one year. Another year, I think he, uh, you know, moved on. He beat whoever was playing, um, you know, playoffs and stuff. And then he got lost. It was like conference finals, semifinals. Uh, he put the Cavs out one year in the playoffs. And then I think he got, you know, like I said, he got eliminated. The Celtics eliminated him and stuff. Uh, was under Doug Collins, the coach, old Doug Collins, the coach. Not sure if he's still doing commentary somewhere. You have to chime in on that. Look, look, look him up if he's still doing TNT or is he on ESPN or is he, you know, NBA TV. I like Doug. Doug was good on commentary. He was a heck of a coach back then. He even tried his hand and stuff after years when he got fired from the Bulls and went to other teams. And Doug Collins just never achieved that championship. He just wound up going different teams and they got him, you know, winning records in playoffs. But then it was early exit playoff, you know, rounds. So. Jordan, no, it was in 1988, they make a coaching change in Chicago. They dump Doug Collins, and then they bring in the assistant under Doug Collins, which was 
the legendary Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson with 11 championships as a coach and one or two as a player he got from the Knicks back in the day. Um, he brought in Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson brought in his triangle offense. It was something that was different in the league that never happened before. Um, a lot of people wasn't sure if the triangle offense wasn't going to work in, in, in the NBA, the style of play and everything. And it did. It took off. It was a popular thing. And it still ran popular for Phil Jackson after his time with Jordan. And then, you know, Phil made it to the Lakers and coached Shaq and Kobe under the triangle offense, which led to be successful. And that got him his championships. But then he was, you know, in, the, in that time, he, you know, got the triangle offense going. Took Jordan a minute, but he got he caught on real quick. He understood everything. Jordan, you know, decided to put more work ethic into his, you know, game. He wanted, you know, get himself, get himself, you know, in there and learn, you know, from early in the morning till the end of the day and practice extra a few hours early before everybody else did on game day and. And that helped him become a better player. His basketball IQ got better. He, you know, got it out on the court. So then once Phil Jackson came in, there was like a year or two, Phil didn't do nothing right away. He got into the playoffs, 55, 58 wins during the season and stuff, and then early exits. And then it was 90, 91 season. Chicago was on a run. They had they had their players. They had... Uh, Brought in a, it was like a second year with Scottie Pippen, uh, Bill Cartwright, Will Perdue, uh, John Paxson. Um, who else did you have too? Horace Grant. Um, who was it? Bill Winnington. Got him in there. Cliff Levingston. Um, 90-91, Bulls wound up winning, I think, on the season. It was like 62-63 games. Bulls were catching on. They were playing. They got on TV. Everybody wanted to see Jordan. Bulls were exciting. Bulls were entertaining. And then the Bulls, you know, everybody, speculation, writers, people on TV, oh, this Bulls this Bulls team's good enough to win championships. We might be seeing a dynasty, you know. And then when Cable was just getting going, they were on TNT, and, and then everybody, you know, applauding the Bulls, and, and then uh, America took watch. Not everybody had Cable. I didn't have Cable at that time, not until about 94, 95. I didn't get it in my house, but I would always go to, like, neighbors' houses, and that they had Cable, and I'd watch basketball games over there and hang out. As a kid, take some snacks over and drinks and, you know, watch the NBA games and stuff. I'll probably talk a little bit more on that with the sports podcast and that down the road. I'll be doing that. Um, but anyways, I, like I said, I was over there watching the Bulls games and stuff. And uh, people were starting, you know, watching. People in America were watching. People all over the world were watching. Back then in the early 90s, um. The NBA didn't have their international market yet. They didn't have players 
they didn't have players coming over here playing in the states yet. It was basically all the you know all your basketball players coming in the drafts and everything, all the rosters. It was all people from America. They were getting ready to get into the international game and stuff. NBA was pushing for that. You know, David Stern and everything, they were having meetings and then eventually it happened, you know, start taking form. Like 94, 95, you started seeing the international people start coming over. They made the rule change. The uh, USA basketball team was basically college players, and and, that, and they wanted to see, oh, let's get the NBA in there. Let's get the best, you know, let's get the dream team together. Let's put them together. Let's let them go up against the best best in the world, you know. Best, best from the States, you know, players from around the world wanted to play against the best players in the United States. So they had to get the best players. They got players from the NBA. And then that changed from the USA, you know, regular college people to professionals. And then 92 was what the beginning of the dream team. Jordan Johnson, Magic Johnson, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Clyde Drexler, Barkley, all them. Coached by legendary Chuck Daly. You even had your one college player, and that was Christian Leitner, I believe. He went over there. Duke was a, you know, dynasty powerhouse. They were getting to be early 90s, too, in college. So, again, going back to Chicago, 1990, 1991 was the beginning of their, uh, their two three-peats. There's six titles they won in their uh, span in a, you know, 10 to 12-year you know, period. Or not, no, 10-year periods, right? Um, was the first of their six. Played the Lakers and Magic Johnson. Chicago came into the NBA that year. Like I said, it was a powerhouse. They wound up uh, splitting the regular season against the Detroit Pistons. Now, you got to remember, back then... The Pistons had their back-to-back. 89-90, they were the back-to-back -back bad boy era run. They beat the Lakers. They beat the Portland Trailblazers. They were still the powerhouse team of the East. You know, you had so many, you know, teams throughout. It was the Philadelphia 76ers, the Boston Celtics, to the Pistons, to the Knicks. And then the Pistons become the team they had to beat, the bad boys, the scrappy Pistons team. Dennis Rodman, one of the best rebounders of the game. Lambeer, physical, tough guy. Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars. Vinny Johnson, microwave. Rick Mahorn. And they, uh, they wound up winning back-to-back. Uh, -back. So they were coming into the 1991 season, 1991 season, as the favorites to try to do a three-peat. But that didn't happen. Like I said, Jordan and the Bulls wound up having like a magical 62-63 game win season. They wound up going to the playoffs. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals. And that was a good physical physicality matchup back and forth. They handled Jordan and everything. And, and it's just like they ran out of gas toward the end. And then it was like six, seven game series. They dethroned the Pistons. If you remember the Eastern Conference Finals when the Pistons were down, losing, it was like a minute some left. 
and they knew that their time were over with, you know, they, oh, these guys throned us, but they're the bad boys, or the bad boys were getting dethroned by the bulls, you know, it was the end of the bad boy era, and then the Pistons knew that they were losing, so they wound up walking off the court with like a minute left of the game, they were sore losers, they didn't even congratulate the bulls, animosity, you know, that holds till this day, you know, Isaiah Thomas and Jordan don't like each other and, and stuff like that. If you watch the, uh, what was that? The, uh, the last dance with the Bulls, uh, documentary on ESPN. That was good there. You know, they say they all still don't speak to this day and stuff. And, um. So then they wound up uh, thrown into Pistons, and the people in the palace were chanting for the Lakers to win. Go L.A., go L.A., you know, chanting for the Lakers to beat the Bulls, and that set up for a finals matchup and stuff. And uh, you got to 1990-91, and you know, everybody was hopping to see that. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Bulls first First championship, you know, going in the finals, first finals appearance, Jordan, he's ready, he's hungry. You know, Pippen and company, they're all ready for it. They were going up against a veteran skilled, you know, showtime of the Lakers and stuff. And, uh, you know, which that led to be a hell of a matchup. And then Jordan and the Bulls got the best of the Lakers. And then the Bulls wound up winning their championship in five games. Beat the beat the Lakers and stuff, and Magic and Jordan shook hands at the end and hugged, and, and that and Jordan, you know, Magic walked off the court, and Jordan was champion. That was the beginning, and that was just that was boom. That took off. Chicago was the team to be. Everybody was jumping on the bandwagon. Become a Bulls fan. Bulls merchandise was just through the roof. Uh. Bulls were mentioned all over the world. People overseas were catching the NBA games, wanted to be Bulls fans. And Jordan's clothes going overseas selling. Jordan's shoes overseas. They were hot. They were a hot commodity. You know, everybody wanted to be Bulls, you know. They were Bulls fans. People, you know, wanted to have the Bulls clothing. Myself, I was a Bulls fan. Or not Bulls fan. I was... I was like a mini. I followed the Bulls when they won their six championships. I was still, still am a Lakers fan, and that. But I was following the Bulls in their six championships. It was it was a fun time to be a basketball fan, and I still have the newspaper clippings of the Chicago Bulls six championship runs. Their first three: Lakers, Portland, Phoenix. Two, you know, and then Jordan retired. Uh, semi-retire and go and play in baseball and then he come back and then they wound up doing uh seattle utah and utah for their six championships and stuff and uh i was a young kid too i had to go out there i told you know i want i told my dad and my mom and my grandma and that oh i want some bull stuff i want the bull shirt i had a bull a couple of bull shirts i wore back in the day i wanted to have the bull's jacket and stuff i've mentioned that before my grandma wound up spending money. She spent a good, you know, back then it was expensive. It was like a hundred some dollars for Chicago Bulls jacket, the old starter jackets. We got a foot locker at Northtown Mall 
and stuff, and I was so excited, so happy and everything, and that, you know, it'll be, you know, take care, care of your bulls jacket and everything, and I wound up wearing it and everything. I was sporting it around and everything, and uh, I wore it to school maybe for about a week, and then I kind of was standoffish on it. I didn't want to take it out wear it to school. I said, I want another jacket. So I don't, you know, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to junior high. I was in junior high and I had some rough day, days in the junior high time and stuff. And, uh, I didn't want to wear that bulls jacket to school. Cause I felt like I would got robbed for it. They would have took off me, stole it and kept it. They would have beat me up for it and took my bulls jacket. And I was always hearing things at school rumblings, you know, hey, better watch out, man. People are getting beat up bad for uh, bulls jackets. You know, red colors was worried about the gangs. Bloods and Crips was a big thing in the 90s. You know, oh, you better be careful, you know, wearing a bulls jacket, red colors and stuff. And you could get seriously hurt. And I just, I quit wearing it to school. And then and my mom, my grandma, and them, you know, I don't you wear your bull stuff to school, you know. Well, it's, I said, I'm not going to a great school. I said, I'm afraid that I could wind up losing and get, get stolen. I get beat up and they take my jacket. And then my mom heard that from other parents and that. And they said, yeah, they're doing that now. Kids are getting beat up for bulls apparel and stuff. And, and I just kept the bulls jacket. I wore that, you know, at home, you know, going out, going out on the weekends and that, not at school. I wore it when I was with my parents and everything. And uh, eventually that bull's jacket did kind of take a shit. It wasn't the greatest material. It started getting holes in the pockets and everything. And I, I wound up, I think I had that bull's jacket for about five months. And I wound up uh, just getting holes in it. And it just wound up getting stained up. And I wound up getting rid of it. And that and... They weren't too happy about cheap material, you know. My dad, you know, just shook his head at that. You know, Grandma should have never bought that for you. That cheap overseas China material, you know. You know the jackets over there they get made. It only costs like two bucks to make, and then they sell it over here in America for a hundred dollars. And the rich guys making the profit, you know, and the poor slave sweatshops and shit, and which holds true to today too. You know, Jordan shoes being manufactured over there in China and stuff and China labor and all the all the main players now, the bronze, the Kobe's, all their shoes were made in China and stuff and other pro you know, other products over there, you know, for pennies on the dollar made and, and then turn around, you know, double, triple the profit here in America and the rich guy and stuff and you know, they knew that they had a moneymaker and they still do have a moneymaker, you know. If people would boycott the clothes and boycott the shoes and stuff, and all these rich people who put out these shoes, they would have to lower their price on shoes. But they know they don't ever, will ever have to do it because there's a high demand. You know, these young kids want it. They'll go to their parents about it. You know, I want these shoes, you know. Uh, you know, like what Kanye West, the Yeezys, those were a popular shoe. And, you know, LeBron's, you know. And sometimes now I think the Jordans are still in sale and that and Jordans are going in the market, what, still for three or $400 and stuff. And you still see people standing in line for it, for the main thing. And then you hear stories, people are in line for Jordans and, and people getting in fights and people getting shot at for shoes and people getting stabbed and Jordans getting stolen out of cars. And, you know, it's just, 
It is. It is. You look back on it now, you know, but you were younger, you know, you had to have the shoes, you know, you wanted to be the cool one, you know, and, and stuff. And I owned a pair of Jordans, a few pairs of Jordans in my life and stuff. And now will I do it? No, I don't have the money. I'm not going to spend two, three hundred dollars for that. For that price, for a pair of shoes, I could take that two, three hundred dollars and do other things with it. Pay bills, you know, go take a little mini trip somewhere or, you know, do something, you know, that's going to help me take care of me financially, you know, pay, be, be responsible with that money. You know, if I go buy a pair of shoes now, it's, you know, I'll spend 40 bucks, 50 bucks for a pair of Skechers, you know, and they're good shoes and they're comfortable. But uh, anyway, I'm gonna get off of that topic. Um, so it was the beginning of the dynasty. Bulls were a hot team. Uh, go right into the following season after they beat the Lakers, another big sixty-win season. Get in the playoffs, cruise through that. They're playing the Portland Trailblazers. They win the second title. Going to the off season, everything. Um, come back the third season. You know, nineteen ninety three, they get their third championship. Phoenix. Phoenix was a good, solid team. You had Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley, Tom Chambers, Barkley was on there. Um, you know, that was a little bit more hard fought battle for them in their three peat. And they wound up winning in six, almost could have went to seven games, but then it was John Paxson hitting the game winner at the end for their three-peat, and they beat the Phoenix Suns. And uh, just remembering that throughout the season and everything, Jordan just, you know, the, the Bulls were just winning games. It was a cakewalk and stuff. Um. Commercial break. Now, was it? I don't have the, all the stats at me on hand, but the 72-10 and 10 season that year, was that Utah, I think? First of the two against Utah, or was that Seattle? They wound up having that big main record that year. That was NBA history, the most wins ever in a regular season and stuff. And, um... You know, the Bulls, the Bulls were just popular. You know, Jordan, Pippen, you know, they made their changes. They had their battles in the conferences. They thought they were going to be tested. Patrick Ewing and the Knicks, they were scrappy. Charles Oakley, that was a hell of a team, too. John Starks, Anthony Mason and stuff. Um, you know, they dealt with that. Yeah, that was part of their early uh, timing. In, in the league, you know, when they were winning their championships and stuff. And, you know, those were fun to watch. It was real basketball back then. A lot of people say now, you know, oh, LeBron couldn't handle in that physicality part of the league back in the 90s. The bad boys team would have ate him up and chewed him out, spit him out. And he would have got thrown around by Lambeer and Mahorn and New York teams, Oakley and Mason and all them. Yeah, he probably would have. He would have been really crying. LeBron would have been the superstar he was if he would have had to go through them teams. He'd have all kinds of bruises on him and cuts and shit and crying to the league, you know, get them out of here, suspend them, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, 
You know, LeBron, or yeah, LeBron just, he couldn't have made it in that physicality part of the league in the 90s. That was fun basketball. It was fun era and stuff. And, um, you know, Jordan, Jordan, that, he, they pulled through everything. They, uh, like I said, they were the hot team. They were the hot commodity. You know, they were doing TV shows and stuff. Jordan was on a Saturday Night Live. It was all Chicago, you know. People all over the world tuned in. They loved America basketball. And again, it was getting pusher and it was getting closer to foreigners coming to the league playing, you know, and stuff. And uh, eventually that happened. They signed on, you know, now foreign people can come over from overseas. And that's what happened when the Bulls got into their second, you know, after they got into their second three-peat. They brought over likenesses. They got Tony Kukoc from Croatia. He wanted to play. I want to play with Michael Jordan, the great Michael Jordan, you know. And that almost didn't happen. And then Jordan come back and and stuff. And they wound up winning. Kukoc got him some rings out of that. Y'all remember old Tony Kukoc? You know, hearing that on NBC, Marv Elbert. Tony Kukoc for the win, you know, and stuff. And, uh. Jordan and that just was dominant all around, you know. He knew the game. He knew the basketball IQ, his toughness. He was clutch. You know, he knew how to read defenses and everything. You know, he never left team to go join another team to win any championships. There was just some players that wanted to join Chicago so they can win a championship and stuff. And that was back then. You really didn't see much free agency flip-flopping around to the late 90s. You seen everybody moving around and stuff. When uh, Jordan left, you know, Jordan officially retired out. And then you seen people moving around. Scottie Pippen was a bull for the longest time. He left, wound up going to Portland Trailblazers. And Portland had a couple good squads. Lost to Shaquille and Kobe and the you know Lakers and stuff and uh, Pippen wound up going to uh, Houston Rockets. You know when Jordan was out of the league for two years, uh, retired, and then Houston Rockets wound up winning ninety four ninety five. They had a back to back championship. That was a good squad from them too. Vernon Maxwell, uh, Kim Elijahwan, Kenny Smith, Mario Ellie. Um, Clyde Drexler, he finally wound up winning the championship. He got traded over. Barkley tried to get him a title in Houston. That didn't go through. And stuff. And um, Chicago was just a team. You know, Jordan, they were on top of the world. Jordan knew the game. And, and then uh, their third championship, they wound up winning beating Phoenix, their three-peat, you know, it was Lakers, Portland, Phoenix. Then 94-95, Jordan decides, oh, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go pursue my uh, childhood dream of playing professional baseball. He goes and he goes down to the White Sox AA affiliate, the Birmingham Barons. He plays down there. I think he averaged what was like 225 batting average at like three home runs and 14 RBIs. That was not the greatest of stats. And then when he was with the Birmingham Barons and stuff, um, you know, people come, you know, small town of Birmingham, you know, they didn't really, 
they were baseball people, but then once Jordan come into town, the media was there in Birmingham. More people flocked, paid money, come from out of town. And people that did live in Chicago, you know, wanted to see Jordan come play. And then these Birmingham games were sell, selling out. People wanted to see Jordan. Exhibition games, Jordan was on the White Sox roster. They had one year it was uh, Jordan and the White Sox against the Cubs at Wrigley and Jordan was there and people cheering him on and all the players were kind of in a oohs and ahs, you know, getting to play with their, you know, Chicago's hero and stuff. And, and um, Jordan wound up doing a couple years of baseball. He stepped away from the NBA. Well, what led to that, if you want to go into conspiracy theory, was that Jordan, he, uh, during his three championships, the first three, he was getting into uh, heavy gambling, gambling on golf, gambling, going out to Vegas, spending a lot of money. He was a main gambler. You heard stories that he was on the plane. They played cards for money. They were playing, you know, not little dollar bill poker games. They were doing, you know, twenties, hundreds and stuff like that. They were putting some serious money up and stuff. And Jordan lost quite a bit. Jordan wound up winning some shit. And mainly he bet on golf. Uh, Mainly, he bet on golfing. And his golf game, he was just getting to be good. And there was a lot more he lost in golf than he did winning. And, um, you know, and then that become kind of a trouble thing. That caught the media attention and the media was on everything. You know, Jordan, you know, could be investigated by uh, officials. And, you know, they, he could be uh, legal gambling and stuff like that. And the FBI and all that were coming at, might have been coming after him. And so, if you want to believe the conspiracy theory that Jordan uh, was told by David Stern in the NBA, hey, you're under hot water right now for gambling. Um, how about we do this? You go retire for a couple seasons, go down and play baseball. Let this blow over. You know, we'll let you come back in the league, you know, back in 95, 96. Go stay away for a couple of years. And uh, all this gambling stuff will go under the bridge, water under the bridge. You won't hear no more of it. And, and that was the belief that Jordan wound up doing that, you know, to get away from being in trouble and possibly, you know, having to pay out money and stuff for all his illegal gambling, his trouble issues, you know. So Jordan made the announcement so he could, you know, they knew that if Jordan was going to be in trouble, that was going to be a black eye for the NBA, you know. And then, and you know, NBA was just, it was a moneymaker right now. It was the top sport, most watched sport over football and everything at that time. You know, I know football is like the most watched sport now, but back then NBA had that market because Chicago was super hot, doing more than what the NFL was, you know. And um, that it was, it was just a moneymaker. They didn't want to lose that. They wanted to keep the league going. They, you know, everybody it was a hot spot. People were watching the league, you know. And Jordan decided, you know, I'm gonna come out with this retirement story and step away. And um, he did that, you know. And then he come back in the league. It was in '95, '96. Came back into the league, you know. I'm back, you know. Missed the game, you know, and stuff. And uh, you know, he started up again. That was the beginning of his three peat. It's his second three-peat, the six championships. Phil Jackson and them were back. Um, the Seattle 
after the Seattle, I think that was the Seattle championship. That was when his father died. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was, um, yeah, when his father died, that also tied in with the gambling too. I'm sorry. When his father died, that was the uh, Phoenix championship. And that was kind of like one little story too of him going away. You know, his father, you know, father ain't going to get to see him play anymore. He wanted to walk away from that. Oh, my father seen me play my last game and everything. And his father wound up being killed down in North Carolina. They found him, I think they found him in a ditch. They found car broken into and everything. And they found the two people that killed Jordan's dad. Again, it's another conspiracy theory. They felt that Jordan got in with some wrong people, some mafia people. And uh, wrong, you know, the, you know, some uh, the wrong, wrong group of people. He lost money to, so they sent out a couple hitmen. Hey, Jordan's not paying up his money. Let's attack him where it hurts. We're gonna go after his family, and they've managed. They wound up finding Jordan's dad, and they wound up killing him for it. You know, send a message. You know, Jordan. You know, Jordan, you didn't pay your money. You know. Will it ever come out to the light of day one day that Jordan, you know, his dad died because Jordan's gambling issues? May, may not be, you know. And uh, people are going to deny it. You know, they're going to say, no, that's not true. You know, blah, blah, blah. Jordan's dad was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe that could have been, maybe not, you know. But I, I strongly believe that Jordan's dad did die because Jordan had gambling issues, you know. If you think so differently, you know, chime in. Let me know on Twitter and let me know Messenger. So, um, like I said, he did his baseball thing. You know, he figured his dad seen his last game. He come back in 95, 96, and that was the beginning of his three-peat again. He uh, wound up winning. It was Seattle, Utah, Utah. And then the Seattle thing, that was the 72 and 10, uh, 10 season that year. Most wins in the NBA all the way till well, Golden State wound up having the 73-9 and nine in 2016. And then, and then they wound up losing in the finals to LeBron and the Cavs beat the Warriors. And that was Kobe's last year too, you know. And that was funny too. You think about that. People really didn't care. They, they cared that the Warriors made history at 73-9. and nine, But then on the last game of the season... It was two games on TV. It was the Warriors chasing history with their 73rd win. And then it was Kobe Bryant's last game. And Kobe got 60 in his last game, professional game in 16, 2016. And uh, the viewers spoke and the ratings wound up going to Kobe. People cared more about Kobe's last game than the Warriors winning, chasing history and stuff. And... Uh, but, um, yeah, Jordan come back. He won the second three, you know, second of his three-peat and everything. And Bulls were just, again, a hot, hot team, you know. You know, doing their thing. Dennis Rodman coming aboard the team now. They made changes around, got rid of Horace Grant and moved him off to Orlando and stuff. And, uh, you know, if you watch The Last Dance, Horace Grant may have had some issues with Jordan. That's why he was traded to Orlando, bounced out of there. Um, you know, they brought in Rodman. They needed some scrappy toughness. 
and stuff and they knew that they needed somebody for Carl Malone when they fought, you know, played Utah twice and they brought Rodman in. Rodman was kind of like his doing his own thing. He was getting to be a little bit of a nutcase. He joined uh, wrestling for the time being. WCW brought him in. Rodman, Carl Malone at the pay-per-view. Rodman was NWO. Rodman was Rodzilla. Rodman come out with Hogan and the NWO colors and stuff and and they wound up taking that from the NBA because TNT had WCW and then they used wrestling in the NBA to bring in that market of audience, you know. Oh, Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman going to fight at a pay-per-view. This is must-see TV and stuff. And that, and that was a big money maker for the wrestling world and NBA world that helped them out a little bit too and stuff. And uh, People knew, you know, oh, Dennis Rodman, that ain't going to work in Chicago. Jordan won't put up with it. Jordan wound up putting up with it. Jordan kind of got Rodman to uh, focus and do what he had to do on the court. Phil Jackson wasn't going to put up with it. And, you know, Rodman wound up doing his thing on the court, you know. He got his rebounds. He got his defensive plays and stuff. And he helped, he helped Chicago win another three championships. I don't think he was there for the three, but he got two more rings out of that, though. And, um, you know, sh Chicago was just a, that was a dynasty after the three-peat. And then, and then, uh, management, Jerry Carlson Reinsdorf wanted to go in a different direction. Didn't want to bring in Phil Jackson anymore. Uh, was that Jerry Krause had his boy, Tim Floyd, come in from the colleges, brought him in as coach. And they were going to go into the rebuild, and they even had an offer for uh, Jordan Pippen and all that to play with uh, the new coach, Floyd. Jordan said, no, I want Phil Jackson. Phil's my guy. You know, if, I, if you ain't going to do me with Phil, you know, ship me out. You know, I'm going to sit out. I'll retire again. He kind of did leave, I believe. And that, and, um... He did sit out for a few years, and then he come back in the league. I think, what was that? Like a year, I think he come back afterwards. He sat out a year because he didn't want to play with the new coach and Phil and that. Then he come back into the league, and then he wound up going over to the Washington Wizards in 2001 till his end of his year, 01, 02, 03, and stuff. And he wound up going to the Wizards and that. Then he got partial ownership of the Wizards. That's how he become into Washington. The bullets, bullets transfer over to the Wizards and stuff. And Chicago just went into a different direction, you know, gutted their team, the superstars. I think Tony Kukoc was the last one of the uh, Chicago squads because they had them under a lucrative deal back then. They brought in all these young kids, a young coach, rookie coach, and it was just a rebuilding. You had your championship. They all wanted to come back and try to see if they could win a seventh title, you know, but they, uh, management didn't want to do that with Reinsdorf and Kraus and all that. So then it was Chicago last title against Utah, 60-some wins for the year. The following year was the rebuild year, and then it was like 18 wins on the season, 19 wins for Chicago. You know, it just went went, went downhill, and they never really recovered. They've had a couple seasons when uh, Derrick Rose and all that came in, played for Chicago, but never back to the finals and stuff like that and championships. And 
Chicago's just been a struggling franchise, never got back to the top level that they were when Jordan and that were and you know running the team. And uh, so then Jordan, you know, he moved on, you know, went over to the Chicago Bulls and or went over to the Wizards. I'm sorry, he went over to the Wizards, played so so. He went two, three years, and then he left the league. You know, it was, he was done. And that's when he left the league, and then it was the following year. It was when LeBron came into the league. LeBron, or, And then Jordan was part of the Wizards, and then he was getting agitated being on the Washington Wizards. These young kids were coming in and being lazy, and they didn't have that basketball mentality and the toughness and the IQ that he had. And that, and then... You know, he just got tired of playing with them, fighting with them. Issues with Kwame Brown. You know, they drafted Kwame. You know, Kwame Brown was a bust. That didn't happen. Stackhouse and all them, they didn't were the greatest, you know, not that level of winning championships or nothing. They didn't even really make a playoff run. And then, then Jordan finally, you know, screwed it out. But then... We'll go. We'll go backtrack on that. Um, Jordan, when they were in the middle of their uh, second, or they were in the middle of their you know second three peat, that was when a young Kobe came into the league. Young Kobe Bryant in '96, drafted by the Charlotte Hornets, traded to the Lakers. Jerry West made that move, got Kobe. He saw something special in Kobe. Kobe was 17 when he went to L.A. Um, they knew they had something there. They wanted to put him in team with Shaq. They brought Shaq in previously, like 95, 94, 95 from Orlando. Brought him in, big center, dominant center. They needed star attraction. They got Kobe and Shaq together. Kobe didn't hit off right away. Rookie year, you know, first couple of years, you know, struggled there a little bit. He's got his points, and then they made moves and traded away, got rid of Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, and then Kobe was the main guard for, you know, the rest of his career. You know, he was the guy, you know, we're giving you the keys to the kingdom, you know, you and Shaq do this. And that was Dr. Jerry Buss and Jerry West and all them in L.A., you know, hey, here's the keys to the kingdom, you do it. And then Kobe got better. It was like 98, 99, he started putting on, Putting on a show, got to go to the All Star game. Him and Jordan battling it out in the All Star game. Couple seasons in the in the league together. There are two matchups a year. You know, Kobe. You know, giving it to Jordan. I'm gonna I'm gonna wreck you and beat your ass. You know, and you ain't gonna do shit and trash talking to Jordan and that and Jordan giving it back to him. And the one game, you know, Jordan was a wizard and Kobe was. In his prime, and Jordan Kobe hit for like fifty five on Jordan. Jordan only had thirty at that time, and and then you see that on the Last Dance too. You know Jordan giving props to Kobe. You know this Laker kid's gonna be something special. You know the Laker boy, Kobe. You know, and you see him backstage, and that them two are hugging. Jordan, you know, good game. You know, young man, Kobe appreciate it. You know, and stuff, and. uh Jordan, Jordan looked to Kobe, you know, even at the funeral, he said, Jordan, or he said, Kobe was like my little brother, you know, and Kobe looked at me like a big brother. I lost my little brother, you know, part of me died, you know, and, uh, Kobe coming to the league, Kobe, Kobe was, uh, he got his game together like Jordan, 
he watched Jordan film, you know, he studied Jordan, grew up on Jordan, you know, moved like Jordan, Jordan stances and, you know, the basketball IQ, he learned everything, he turned that into Mamba mentality, you know. All right, this is the end of hour one. We're going to come back with hour two. We'll get into more with uh, Kobe talking that. And then some LeBron, and we'll go from there. Like it or not, I'm here to stay. We're back with hour two of Like It or Not with Big Ben Shady. I am your host, Big Ben Shady. And uh, leaving off what we talked about in the end of hour one, talking about GOAT discussion with LeBron Kobe and Michael Jordan. Going into uh, Kobe, he was coming into his own, become a superstar, took him second, third year in the league, started averaging the points and the athleticism, him and Shaq together. They had Phil Jackson out there. Phil Jackson came back and got in the league coaching. 1998, 99, he got in. He got back into coaching, brought the triangle offense out to L.A. And Shaq and Kobe took that. Into, uh, they learned from all that. I think Kobe even reached out to Jordan and said, hey, Phil's here, you know, he's running this triangle offense, you know. What do you think about that? You know, should I adopt this and take this into my game? And he said, yeah, you know. Pick Phil's ear, listen to Phil, what he's got to say, you know, ask questions, blah, 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 blah. You know, Phil's the man. He's going to lead you some championships, you know. Listen to what he's got to say. There ain't going to be any other coaches out there that's going to give you that opportunity. You know, take Phil, you know, take heed to what Phil says, you know. Kobe did, you know, he listened to Jordan. And like I said, he still was working on his game, everything, the Mamba mentality and everything get up and go to the gym three, four in the morning, practice hours before the team gets there and work on things and things that he knew that things that he knew that he couldn't do, you know, he worked on getting himself better for the following year. You know. Um Yeah, let me let's look at Kobe the one year it was uh it was the prior year, it was Lakers Boston and uh, Boston wound up beating them in six, I think it was. And in that last game, Boston beat them like a 35, 36-point ass whooping. And that, and Kobe, you know, he walked off. You seen him walk off. His face was determined, you know, and he just knew. When he walked off, he said, okay, I got to get better for next year. What do I do, you know? Who am I going to do bring in? And that's when he brought in, you know, back then it was Lamar Odom and uh, Pau Gasol, you know, bringing in. Bringing in, or no, he didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, sorry, he did. He brought in Ron Artest, you know. Ron Artest was coming off the malice in the palace. He had to redeem his career. He was in Houston for a little bit, struggled there, you know, and they brought him in. They needed his defense mentality, and, you know, let's go win a championship. They had those guys the following year, and, you know, it was the uh, final two championships. It was Boston and Orlando. You know, the, uh, he got his rings, you know. He got his rings, beat Boston Orlando, two more championships, and that ended with five altogether for him. And, that, and he took a lot of his game from Jordan, you know. He just, he watched Jordan, 
shoot like Jordan, defend like Jordan, basketball IQ like Jordan, had his clutch shots like Jordan, uh, Jordan, Jordan, Kobe, you know, they never ran off and joined any other team, even though it was possibility that in 2009 that, uh, Kobe was almost going to be traded to the Chicago Bulls. He was going to go that route, but he passed up on that. He suffered for a few years in L.A. There was a few years they were like 19, 17 wins, 19 wins, 22 wins, 23 wins. They had, you know, below mediocre squads, you know. They brought in, uh, they thought Rudy Tomjanovich was going to be the coach to do something, uh, who else did they have too? Um, Mike Brown didn't do nothing. Um, I forget who else. There was another guy too and stuff, and they just didn't have it. They brought Phil back, and um, you know, and then they got other pieces. It was Derek Fisher and stuff like that. And uh, Kobe, he wound up winning five championships out of that. You know, the first three was uh, Indiana. Reggie Miller, it was like Reggie's last crack at winning a championship. That didn't go for him. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers and young Allen Iverson, Andrea Godala coming to the league. They beat Philly. Then it was New Jersey Nets, Keith Van Horn, Jason Kidd. And then I think that was the last year New Jersey was in New Jersey, and then they moved over to uh, Brooklyn. Um... You know, they won their three there. And then after, you know, Lakers had their three, and then Spurs wound up winning some championships after that. And they wound up, because uh, it was after it was after the Chicago won their last of the, their uh, six championships, 98. It was 99. It was the shortened season because of strike. 99, it was a 50-game season, and San Antonio wound up winning. And that was... Um, Tim Duncan's rookie year, Tim Duncan, David Robinson. Spurs want to win in the dynasty. They become a little mini dynasty, too. They want to win in 99. And then Kobe got, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, the three-peat. Then Spurs knocked them off out of their three-peat reign. And then Spurs you know, got their little mini dynasty together. And then the Lakers came back, you know, later on, 09, 010. There was a year, it was 06, 07, I believe, that was the Pistons come back and won a championship, beat the Lakers. That was, uh, that was a, there was a main squad there that was like, they called that the Beatles squad. It was Malone, Peyton, they were ring chasing. They come to the Lakers and they thought they were going to get a squad together and win. It was Malone, Peyton, Kobe, Shaq. You know, playing for a championship, and then that turned out to be a lot of problems throughout the season. You heard a lot of the media talking. Malone was flirting with uh, Vanessa Bryant. You know, Malone, you know, come hook up with the real man, baby. I got a ranch, and you know, if you remember Carl Malone, how muscular and how you know in shape he was back in the day, and that, and you know, kicked that young stud to the curb and get with the real man and stuff, and. He was flirting with Vanessa, and Kobe didn't like that, and they had issues off the court and keeping them all together, trying to settle their differences. And, and then that was a monster season for them. That was like 64-win season for the Lakers. 
And then, and like I said, that fell apart in the finals, you know, 2006, 06, 07, when they played the Pistons. And Pistons beat them. Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, uh, Lindsey Hunter and all them. They got a championship, beat Kobe that year. And uh, you look at their finals records. Okay, so that was Jordan was 6-0 and in the finals all time. Jordan never ran off and joined any other teams. Uh, Kobe was what five and two in the finals. He didn't go running off. He was almost like I said in a Chicago Bull in '09, but they didn't pull the tri trigger to make the trade. Kobe stayed put. People come to LA to be play with Kobe, and which they did. You know, Paul Gasol came from a Memphis trade. There was a trade that was almost going to happen one year. Chris Paul, he's on the Suns now. He was almost going to be a Laker, and David Stern vetoed that and thought that was unfair to the rest of the league. And, and then you look back now, you know, David Stern allowed a lot of super teams and shit afterwards. LeBron run to Miami like he did, and Kevin Durant, you know, running out to Golden State when he did. And, and uh... You know, they wound up winning championships with their squads. Nobody, you know, they didn't have to go run off and do anything. So you make a case there, Jordan Jordan, Kobe were uh, good finals records. They didn't go run off and join other teams. They were more clutch. They had a hard work, that work, work ethic. They pushed players. You know, they were in the gym from morning till the end of the night. Played great on game day. Pushed others to be great. Their clutch shots. Uh, basketball IQ. Didn't really give up and quit. You know. You know, there's their statements for their GOAT cases. Kobe took a lot of the game from MJ. You know. So then uh, Kobe, you know, Jordan left 03. LeBron comes in the league. LeBron now, he's in Cleveland. LeBron comes to Cleveland, you know, uh, rookie year. I think he won like 33, 34 games. He was coming in the league. He was already hot off the start. He had a good solid rookie season, averaged 20-some points a game. Uh, a lot of Cavs games were on TV. People wanted to see the young LeBron kid. And uh, that was the main thing, I think, my opinion. LeBron shouldn't have not been drafted by the Cavs. But you got to remember, you look back on the history of Cleveland, there was some good Cavs squads back in the late 80s, early 90s. Okay, Brad Doherty, Mark Price, Larry Nance, uh, Steve Kerr, um, who else you had? Craig Elo. Um, there were some other people on that squad. These these Cavs squads had 50-some wins and everything, and they were in the playoffs, and but they'd always got bounced out early. So then after that, they built some teams up, and then these Cavs squads got real bad, and they were just pathetic. They were the bottom of the barrel of the NBA every year. Always win 18, 20 games a season. They had so many losing seasons more than winning. 
Cavs was always shuffling around rosters, thinking they were going to win anything from these, build these rosters up and stuff. And uh, Cavs were just like a, re they were just like a minor league, you know, players come and get good and then they go ship off to other teams like, like the Oakland A's of baseball, you know, how Oakland took people and rebuild them, you know develop them got them stronger and then they go and they win championships or go win playoff games elsewhere that's what cleveland was and then you remember at the bottom of the barrel cleveland had gundarina had the god-awful jerseys the one year the blue red or blue orange black colors the all god-awful uniforms you had uh past his prime sean kemp moved on to cleveland and stuff and uh Cleveland was just a dead town. There were so many people come into the basketball games, watch them every night. They were averaging maybe 12,000 in attendance. Uh, downtown Cleveland was struggling. They were dead. They were dead. You know, businesses wasn't doing good. So then LeBron comes into the league. Somehow the league puts it to where the Cavs got the first pick. LeBron comes to the league automatically that boosts up Cleveland's ticket sales. People started plunking money into the uh, Cavs place. Gundarina changed over to Quicken Loans. They were selling LeBron jerseys like hotcakes. Uh, businesses started developing in downtown Cleveland. Downtown Cleveland was just a ghost town down there. and Businesses were starting to come down there. Restaurants, sports bars, shops, you know. Yeah, you know, if you go see a Cavs game, come and eat after the game or before the game or shop, you know, after the game or do something. If you're downtown buying tickets, you know, come shop and go get your tickets and stuff like that. And once LeBron come into the Cleveland organization, that boosted up the uh, ticket sales. They got downtown Cleveland hopping again. Nike, you know, got a, he got his endorsement from Nike and then they hung up the board. On the building, the old big billboard witnesses and LeBron standing there in his Cavs jersey. And, and then that was a big booster for the Cleveland sales, you know. Cleveland Cleveland was a, Cleveland took off and ran with that. And then LeBron started getting into the playoffs and that was early exits, everything. He had his first crack at the finals. What was that, oh, four, oh, five? Before he went to Miami, San Antonio. And that was still part of San Antonio's dynasty with Tim Duncan and everything. And then LeBron went with his squad and and uh, came, came and fell up short. He fell up short in the finals. But then that was the struggle for Cleveland. LeBron was trying to pitch for people to come play in Cleveland. Hey, come play with me for the Cavs. Come to Cleveland. Come to Cleveland. All these main free agencies, these young kids, didn't want to go to Cleveland. Didn't want to go to Cleveland. Cleveland was a small market franchise at that time. They still kind of think are mid-level and stuff. And, uh, you know, people didn't want to come to Cleveland, you know. You know, why do I want to come to Cleveland? I want to go play elsewhere. I'll go to L.A. I'll go down to Miami. I'll go to New York. You know, I'll go out to California, blah, 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 you know. Go to Chicago, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, LeBron wasn't getting his help. So then it was the summer, you know, the main decision, you know, and LeBron on TV, I'm taking my talents elsewhere, going down to uh, Miami. Join up with his buddies, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. We got the big three in Miami, and that was the beginning of the super teams. That's when you start hearing of the super teams. The league hated that. You know, people hated that, you know. 
oh, LeBron ran out on Cleveland, quit on Cleveland, you know. And my opinion, I think LeBron shouldn't even went to Cleveland when he got drafted. LeBron, I was telling Whiskey this, and he agreed with me too, was that LeBron should have, you know, came into the league, should have went somewhere that he could have got him a championship right off the bat in a few years, like, say, go to the Knicks. You know, he could have been a New York guy right off the bat. Madison Square Garden would have been a perfect opportunity, traction, star traction, bring in the tickets, bring in the jersey sales. You have a better shot of free agencies to come play for you, and New York could have had a small dynasty going with LeBron, and LeBron could have maybe won more championships than his four. That he's got now. And, uh... So he goes down to Miami and everything. Cavs fans were pissed. The billboard comes down. And then for a few years, the city of Cleveland just went dead again. The businesses and all that were down there, but then the money was not coming in and they were not making a profit. Downtown Cleveland started getting dead again a little bit. People were coming to the Cavs games and everything because they were kept getting the number one pick year after year after year. And stuff, and... uh LeBron ran off to Miami with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. The first year in Miami didn't go too well. It was, uh, what, the Dallas Mavericks, Dirk Nowitzki, Jason Kidd, Jason Terry. They wound up winning their championship run that year. They got their run, knocked off LeBron and everything. People in Cleveland were happy, cheering for the Mavericks. Thank you, Dallas, for knocking them off. And, and, uh, and then after that, and then it was LeBron just, you know, Miami started winning so many games. Spolstra, Pat Riley, and all them. They got Miami taken off 60-some win seasons. That was the beginning of a couple back-to-back championships there. Uh, Dwayne Wade and company, he wound up winning uh, title 06, I believe that was. Him and Shaq. Shaq passed his prime. Got him down in Miami, and that was when Shaq got traded to uh, Miami Heat. That was when Lamar Odom actually went to the Lakers. <laughs> so LeBron, you know, after that, and then Miami had a couple good years, and LeBron got two titles out of that. And then I think it was just a matter of money and a little bit of dispute with Dwayne Wade. They were friends, but it was just disputing on whose team this was. And that, and, uh, you know, he wound up losing a little bit in Miami. So then he was a free agent after Miami. He decides, I'm going to come back and go to Cleveland. You know, he felt like it was like, he, what he say in an interview? He said it felt like college for him. He wound up, uh, you know, going to Miami. Miami was his college. He wound up developing, become a better player in Miami. He got his championship rings out of that. And uh, he felt it was time to come back to Cleveland again. He patched things up with management. They brought him back in. And then it was the draft that they got Kyrie Irving. And LeBron was psyched up to play with Kyrie Irving. And then, uh, you know, and then he come back to Cleveland. And then that was the Cleveland Golden State dynasty for so many years. Then Golden State wound up getting the best, better advantage of him, too. 
Yeah, it was 10 straight finals, you know, and LeBron only got the one championship out of that in Golden State. He was getting beat by Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Durant and all them. 16 was, you know, LeBron's year. LeBron actually was playing good in Cleveland. They won 50, almost 60 games. And Kyrie, him and Kyrie were gelling. They had the coaches and they brought in Kevin Love in a trade and they had J.R. Smith and they had a good solid squad. And then 16 was the year they beat Golden State out of that 10-year battle together with them in the finals, you know. Or it was like six years, you know, Cleveland Golden State for six years straight and stuff. And, uh, and that was the year they finally could overcome all that, LeBron was the leader of that team. Kyrie, you know, did his part. Kevin Love did his part. And, uh, you know, that was the uh, down from 3-1. to one. Golden State had the 3-1 to one lead. And, and that and LeBron come back, and they wound up winning four games to three, and they brought a title to Cleveland. And Cleveland fans were just rejoiced. Cleveland was the hot spot. They were the, they were the attraction. And then people started having intrigue, you know, hey, let's go play with LeBron, you know, let's play, you know, let's see, and stuff. And, uh, and then after that championship, and then the following few years, and then Cleveland didn't win nothing, and then LeBron again left in free agency. You know, they didn't know if he's going to run back down to Miami and everything, and he basically penned a letter to the city of Cleveland. I, I wound up giving you guys a championship. You know, Northeast Ohio got a championship. And somebody else brought you a title other than Ohio State football, you know. And I thank you guys, Cleveland, for being there for me, supporting me. And then I'm going on about my journey. And then that's when LeBron left and become, went to the Lakers. That's when LeBron started getting into Hollywood. He uh, had an L.A. mansion. It was his second home other than his Akron home. He had his L.A. home, moved the family out there, Bronnie, Bryce, and Savannah, and my daughter, and living out there now currently. And LeBron got into movies, got into some acting, did Space Jam 2. You know, that still wasn't as good as Jordan's Space Jam, but, but uh, you know, got into Space Jam and everything, started getting into Hollywood side of everything. I always heard speculation stories, you know, what's LeBron going to do after basketball. One rumor would be that he'd take his billion dollars and try to get in by the Cavs, turn them into a, a, a profit, possibility join in behalf owner of the Lakers. Uh, another one, you know, be fully invested in Hollywood movies for years to come. I think he's got a production thing out there that he runs. And stuff and does documentaries and stuff now. He's getting involved in that and he's invested his money. You know, LeBron does know the business side of everything. LeBron is smart, you know. And now then we come join the Lakers, you know. LeBron, I don't know if he if he felt that he was gonna be the man to uh take the Lakers into a dynasty, and that obviously didn't work out. There was a few years the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. 2020 came around the COVID year. They wound up playing the bubble championship in Disney. They got Anthony Davis in a trade, got LeBron some help, 
and wound up winning the Bubble Championship 2020 down at Disney World. Playing down there. And so that was his fourth title. Two in Miami, one in Cleveland, one in the Lakers. And then Lakers haven't been in the playoffs since that bubble team in 2020 until possibly this year. They're currently in a playoff race now. And uh, hopefully they can keep that lead to the end of the season. And, um, you know, people had mixed reactions with that. Magic Johnson brought in LeBron for the L.A. People were skeptic about that, you know. You know, LeBron's never going to be the man. You know, Kobe, that was Kobe's house, blah, blah, blah. Kobe, you know, did this. and Kobe and everything. He's never going to fill Kobe's shoes and Magic's shoes and stuff like that. And I think the pressure got to him a little bit. And then he got used to everything. Like I said, that was the championship year 2020. And, and then Jeannie Buss already in, a, in an interview, you know. LeBron's going to get a statue, you know, when he's retired and... You know, people give it to her, you know, told Jeannie, you know, hey, Kobe better get a statue before LeBron does. You know, Kobe built the Staples Center and stuff. And, uh, you know, it was crazy. It was the night that LeBron passed Kobe in the scoring title. And then it was the next day, you know, they talked on the phone. Kobe wished him congratulated him and, and stuff and and then it was the next day Kobe died, you know. And it was just crazy, odd thing to happen in life. LeBron passes Kobe up on the scoring title, you know. And then the next day Kobe's gone, you know, loses his life. You know, that was just, that was very odd, you know. I could go into a whole other show with that whole thing with Kobe and celebrities and stuff and still been with us if they weren't in a, in a hurry to get on the aircrafts and stuff and fly to where they needed to fly. Uh, so, so LeBron is what, like four and six now? That's his finals record compared to five and two from Kobe and six and oh from Jordan. LeBron's four and six. LeBron has a basketball IQ. He's had hit some clutch shots, but LeBron does a lot of complaining and crying. And uh, he's strong. He keeps himself good health and everything. He knows how to take care of himself. But he does a lot of he does a lot of he does a lot of complaining. He feels that you know the. the uh, Things should go more his way, more to the team's way, the Lakers' way. Um, people feel that LeBron plays GM. All right, get rid of this player, get rid of this player. I want this guy here, I want this guy here. Bring me some veterans, bring me Anthony Davis. Get rid of these young core, you know, get rid of Brandon Ingram. Get rid of uh, Russell, get rid of uh, Randall. You know, let's get rid of all these guys. Let's get the young core in there, get rid of Alonzo Ball. You know, bring these guys in that I can play with and everything. And and uh, they shipped out Brandon Ingram and others in a trade and got Anthony Davis. And that kind of hit hit L.A. hard there. And they don't have a draft pick now for so many years to come. Anthony Davis hasn't been playing like he has supposedly playing. He's actually having solid now this year, but he's been more hurt than he's actually playing. 
and stuff. And, uh, you know, L.A.'s not getting, L.A.'s not becoming a dynasty that they thought it was going to be. You know, when he joined L.A., you know, they thought championships were going to come rolling in, you know. Oh, LeBron's going to get more. He's going to pass Kobe. He's going to pass Jordan and everything. And that was not the case, you know. It may not be the case for LeBron. LeBron might wind up being done, all said and done, retired with four championships and stuff. And you can kind of see it out there on the court, you know, the one-year Lakers failed to make the playoffs. LeBron was more focused on Space Jam 2, getting that promoted. He missed a lot of games. He was doing the movie. Uh, you know, this year was the whole thing, the scoring race passed Kareem up all time, all about him, you know, and Lakers were losing a lot of key games that they should have been winning and stuff. And uh, now that they're scoring, you know, he's on the all-time leading score and everything. He's out. Like I said, the foot popped. You know, he's trying to rehab that, get that, get back into the game. You know, trying to get there toward the end of the regular season if they make the playoff push, get into the playoffs and stuff. Um the last time they were in the playoffs, the Phoenix Suns, I think it was 2021. And that, and, um, he, uh, you know, he quit on Phoenix. He quit against Phoenix, I'm sorry. He quit. They were down by 30 some points. It was early in the fourth quarter. He kind of just like left, walked away, and people criticized him for that, you know. Oh, Jordan wouldn't have quit. Kobe wouldn't have quit, you know. And stuff like that. And the NBA's just changed so much, though. It's more of a softer game today than, it, you know, back in the day it was the physicality, you know. When we lived in a good era, all us old-timers and stuff, myself, Pernia, Whiskey, we lived in a good era of basketball. We witnessed a lot of good shit, the Bulls dynasties, the Rockets, you know, the early San Antonio dynasty, the Lakers early on dynasty, you know, the Bad Boys era we seen. The scrappy Nick teams, you know, now the league's soft. It's more political, you know, uh, more of this NBA shit, you know, going up against President Trump when Trump was in office. They felt Trump was evil. Trump was the devil. Trump was horrible. And, you know, and then once the Democrat got back in, you know, Biden, Hillary and stuff, they were all, you know. Oh, the God sent from heaven, you know, Hillary and Joe, you know, blah, 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 you know, and LeBron and that was all happy and they had their political views with the police brutality on the males of America and all that. And, you know, just so much, you know, you never heard this. The athletes back then, if there was problems with the world and that the athletes spoke their piece about it, but it wasn't big as it is now, you know. And everything's just started changing. Basically, it was all the Colin Kaepernick, you know, when he kneeled down for the national anthem, and then he got booted out of the league and still hasn't been back in the league. And that trickled effect in all the other sports. You know, LeBron started speaking up, political, and, you know, and just how much the NBA's changed. It's soft, you know. Like I said earlier, LeBron couldn't have made it in the bad boy era. LeBron would have been crying LeBron wouldn't have a long career like he does now, you know. LeBron would have been beat up by Bill Lambert and Mahorn and Anthony Mason and Oakley and Xavier McDaniel and all of them. Just it's different, you know. 
so basically I ran through, you know, Kobe, LeBron, and Jordan, talking about them three, and my personal opinion, you know, you see all the reports now, you know, people think LeBron's the best, LeBron's the GOAT, you know, LeBron's the GOAT, LeBron passed Kareem, he's the GOAT, blah, 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 no, no, honestly, still the GOAT of all time is Jordan, I'm sorry, he's number one, 6-0 and in the finals. Chicago had that more publicity back in the day. Everybody in the whole world focused on Jordan, Chicago. What was Chicago doing? Chicago was the story. Chicago was the attraction. People wanted to see Chicago, 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 you know. What's the Bulls going to do next, you know? Jordan was feared, you know, people on the court. How many hearts did Jordan break throughout his career? You know, broke Barkley and Reggie and, you know, Patrick Ewing and all them, you know. People couldn't get past Jordan. Broke Carl Malone's heart twice, you know, in the finals and stuff. And, uh, you know, Jordan was more of a household name, you know. Jordan was the true GOAT. Jordan didn't go run off, you know. Jordan, ah, I'm going to go join another team, you know, and stuff. And back then you didn't see, you know, really super teams back then. You know, they just made a few small trades and free agencies and drafts and Chicago had their team, you know. Maybe that would have been a good thing for LeBron, too, besides not being in Cleveland. Maybe George, or LeBron could have tried to line up and play with the coach under Phil Jackson, you know. If Phil would have been able to, they would have gotten a situation maybe going, if he would have went to New York and played, and played with the Knicks, maybe Phil would have signed up and been a coach, you know, back then, you know. But I know now, uh, LeBron has his respect for Phil Jackson for what he did for the on the lead eleven championships, Jordan and Kobe and everything. But if you remember, LeBron wasn't too happy with Phil in the management for the Knicks. He felt that Phil and that Dolan, others on the uh, management squad, give Carmelo a, a bad bad shake. You know, he felt he made racist claims to Phil Jackson saying, you know, he used the word posse to uh, Carmelo and stuff, you know, like that was a racial term. And, you know, people just took that out of proportion, you know. Oh, yeah, you know, that's not right. And then that kind of like killed LeBron's vibe to ever work with Phil and stuff. And, uh, you know, back then, before all that happened, maybe LeBron and Phil would have been together after, you know, Phil left the Lakers, you know, after that ran, that dynasty ended in L.A., you know, maybe Phil would have signed up for New York and been a coach, and LeBron could have went and drafted and played there, and, you know, that could have been, that could have been something, but that just didn't take off either, he just, you know, LeBron just wanted to be in Cleveland. You know, maybe that could have made him a little bit, made his status for GOAT, you know, maybe better than what it was. So, you know, Jordan is the true GOAT. Sorry as to say, or not sorry, but, you know, Jordan is the true GOAT. 6-0 and in the finals, clutch shots. Chicago was a mainstream, you know, team back in the day. Media followed him. He had the basketball IQ. People wanted to play with him. People wanted to play against them, you know.
And then uh, Kobe, you know, Kobe's the second in the GOAT, you know. You know, if you look at championships, Jordan's got six, Kobe's got five, LeBron's got four. If you want to go by, if you want to go by the overall uh, physica physical health, everything, LeBron could be a GOAT status for physical health. He lasted longer than all those. He lasted more than Jordan. He lasted more than Kobe. You know, LeBron's still going at his age and still averaging the high points. Um, people, oh, Jordan, or LeBron's the GOAT now, you know, pass Kareem upon the scoring list. That don't make you a GOAT, you know. It's what you do on the court. It's your legacy, what you're leaving. Jordan Jordan and Kobe didn't quit, quit on their teams. Jordan and Kobe didn't go crying. You know, Kobe did a little crying some days. You know, he, you know, he called for a few changes, but not as bad as LeBron, you know, and Jordan, I'm sure Jordan may have done a few crying, a few things, you know, make some changes, get rid of some people and stuff. And, you know, maybe Jordan was the one that let, you know, wanted Horace Grant off the team. Who knows, you know, but you heard more crying from LeBron than you did from Kobe and Jordan, you know, Jordan's number one in the GOAT. He's the true GOAT status. Kobe, you know, five and two in the finals, you know. Kobe had that strong work ethic. A lot of players that came in during his time, after his time, you know, they modeled themselves after Kobe. Kobe, you know, people take his game today, you know. Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, uh, Trey Young, you know. Um, who else was, else? you know, who else did, uh, who else like Kobe too, you know. There were some other ones too that took his game, took his work ethic. You know, I think Kawhi Leonard even took a little bit of Kobe's work. They had a few summers they worked together, too, you know. And that, and Jordan's first, I think, the Kobe, you know, the GOAT. GOAT status, Kobe's second, and LeBron could be third, you know. LeBron did a lot of crying and pouting and gave up on teams, and LeBron didn't go, uh, LeBron didn't stay. His whole entire career with one team, LeBron ran off and went title chasing. That kind of kills your GOAT status there. So, this is basically my thing. You know, what do you guys think, you know? Is Kobe the GOAT? Is LeBron the GOAT? Is Jordan the GOAT? I say Jordan is the GOAT. If you really want to go GOAT on championships, even go back to the uh, early 70s, Bill Russell. He won 11 championships with the Boston Celtics. But then the NBA was way different in the late 60s, early 70s than it is now, you know. Easier for teams to win back then. You know, Bill Russell could be the GOAT if you go championships. You know. Um, thank you guys for listening and uh, appreciate it. Stay tuned for some other shows coming up on my way and... Uh, Give a shout out to uh, my boys, Whiskey, Pernia, my uh, my super fan there, Pam the dog lady. Everybody else is listening. Keep keep listening. And like it or not, I'm here to stay. <laughs>